recording? Uh, no, I'm Anton. Oh. <laughs> uh, hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, Art House Film Guide. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. That's not the new official title yet, but I'm, try, I'm trying it out. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a good title. Should I drop to some guys? Are we some guys? Who are we? Just All these guys. questions. I guess we are just some guys. Anyways, hello and welcome. I'm Chris. And I'm Anton. And this week, oh boy, what do we got? We have the movie Frank. Yep. Anton, what's your first initial reaction? Just off the cuff, what do you, what do you, what's, what's rolling off the top of your head after seeing this? You're stepping out of the theater and then you, what's the comment you turn and say to Alyssa just after seeing it? I love you all. Okay. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this movie uh, more even now. I've seen it a bunch. Of, I don't know why it's one of them comfort movies for me. Mm. Uh, I've I, I I like to put it on every so often and just kind of hang out with it. It's it's a it's kind of a low key hangout movie and it's not really a hangout movie. I don't think anyone would really classify it as a hangout movie, but I think of it that way. Sure. But I just, uh, you know, I guess looking at it with a more uh, critical lens this time and just noticing things. Not to just ask you whether you liked it or disliked it, Mm -hmm. but what's the impression you got from it? What's what's going, what now what's going Mm -hmm. through your head? Um, I I did like it. Uh, I think I've seen this before. Alyssa kept saying the whole time through, we've already watched this movie, and I was like, I don't think so. Maybe I fell asleep the first time I watched it. There was definitely yeah. a lot of scenes where I was like, yeah, I feel like I've seen this before, but I don't think well, I was you paying know attention what? the first time. It's a, this movie really kind of, uh, I wouldn't say flew under the radar. I don't know if it's a well-known movie. It's not like a popular movie, really, but um, it's very hidden in the, like, early 2010s indie film world Mm -hmm. like i feel like even um kind of the look and feel of it really matches a lot of movies that came out Mm -hmm. around this time and also uh it just gives you one of the like this vibe of okay here are a couple well-known actors in this quirky independent comedy that you know had no problem probably getting into like Sundance or South by Southwest. Yeah. And then like, that's the trajectory of the movie. And like, there's so many of those kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them, I really don't like, I, I if I could call it a cl- like, a cl- like a classification of a certain kind of indie movie, I kind of don't like those, but this one I really like. What else would you put um, in that category of ones? I just think it's a little, like... what's that? What would you put in that category of ones around that time that you didn't like? This movie called The Lifeguard with Kristen Bell. Like, I feel like there's there were a lot of these like. Oh, I was thinking Kristen Wiig, but still, I don't. I've never heard of that movie. It's like there's these indie. It's like a kind of a somewhat big star will try to get into one of these like you know sub five ten million dollar indie movies mm-hmm. that kind of just have this trajectory of go to Sundance and then get picked up 
Um, and I don't think they really make these kind of movies anymore because that budget realm just kind of went to TV now. Mm. So, like, uh, there's just a lot of movies at the time where, like, a uh, somewhat famous actor will just kind of be plopped right into some indie drama or indie comedy. Um, I would say probably like the, the biggest example of this is like Little Miss Sunshine. Okay, that's what I was thinking. It's kind of like that's like the launching point of these kinds of movies. Yeah, it's really weird because like you, you probably ask someone else and they wouldn't really even consider this a genre or kind of what movie, about category of movie. Garden State. I just think of it that way. Yeah, Garden or... State. Yeah, like those are like early examples of ones. So that's how I kind of like looked at this movie. Okay, but. You know, when I watch it, I just have a different relationship with it. But let's uh, let's get into it. You want to go over your recap? Um, not really. No, no oh, all right. I'm just kidding. See, you, see, you guys. <laughs> End of the show. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, all right, Anton's recap. Okay, so this movie is interesting, and in I feel like the middle was really muddy. So i might get events Ooh. out of order and all of that compared to other movies where i feel like it's like really concrete these steps but it starts out with john who's play, played by dom hale gleason i think mm-hmm. um you may know him also from star wars because this show is all about star wars people yeah um, so hold on even just i i don't even mean to just stop you right when you're getting started I think there's a funny comparison between this movie and Patterson. They both very much deal with creativity. And, well, and two very different aspects, and both lead actors were villains in Star Wars. Ah. <laughs> that has nothing no, to do I with No, I feel that. like what you're, you're catching up on is there's <laughs> symbolism in life, and this is... Right. It's all connected. It is. And, um, you know, don't tell the deep state... <laughs> <laughs> That we figured it out, but and both right, of these movies are somebody's name. You're mm. right, Frank Patterson. Frank Patterson. I, you know what? We're gonna meet a guy named Frank Patterson one day, and we're just gonna. We well, might have to kill him. Yeah, we'll probably have to murder him. <laughs> I'll keep it my eyes out. Uh, so, John, main character, played by Dom Hale Gleason, is. An aspiring musician who has a boring day job that I don't even know what his job is. He just office. Got it. I think does he live with his parents still? Yeah, I think lives so. with his because he's like running into home and yeah, yeah, he does some office job and he's a he plays keyboard. The movie starts out. He's walking down the street trying to I assume gather inspiration. So he's just observing things and. You don't really know that, though, if you don't have any context. So it could just be like a weird guy talking to himself and singing songs. Yeah, he's singing songs about... That's true. Maybe I kind of assumed... Woman in the red dress, what you doing with that bag? (laughs) Which is kind of a good song. (laughs) I I really love that song. I love it when he tries to sing it later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um. But you can tell that he's struggling. At one point, I feel like he's playing a song and then realizes that he's just playing a song somebody already wrote. But he mm-hmm. didn't really like call it out. It just sounded like it, he realized his song was evolving into something he'd already heard. Mm-hmm. So he's just not too happy with himself. And one day, he's uh, 
at a diner and he hears the radio and it's an interview with this band called I don't know the name of the band it's a bunch of consonants and stuff grouped together and it sounds like there's arguing on the radio next thing we know John is outside on the beach and he sees somebody running into the water I assume trying to kill themselves and drown themselves in the water and the police are trying to stop him and it's the band from the radio Uh Uh, the band that was arguing and apparently the person who ran out into the water is their keyboardist trying to kill himself Uh, the police say he's going to be okay John's on the beach talks to the band's manager who's just watching and the band's manager says that's really going to hurt our show tonight because that was our keyboardist John says I know how to play keyboard and the band manager says, do you know F, G, and E or something like that? The I C, D, or no, yeah, was, one of them was C. Okay. <laughs> um, and John's like, uh, yeah, I know that, which I assume is just like really basic, like just. Yeah. It's the ultimate story of uh, rock and roll discovery. <laughs> so John says, yeah, I could do that. And, um. The band manager says, okay, show up at 9 tonight. And John's like, well, do we need to practice? He's like, just show up at 9 at this place. So John does this, and he goes out right on stage to the keyboards, and I think he's told to just play play along. Mm -hmm. And moments later, a man wearing, I assume, some kind of, it's a, it looks like a bare body suit, but it's like thin, like it's got like the. It's a onesie that's all black, but it has like the belly of a animal, on it, but I, that's probably not even the interesting thing. The interesting thing is he was wearing a giant paper mache head. So this yeah. guy with a giant paper mache head comes out, and they just start uh, playing, and. John's trying to like mix into it and he's really enjoying it. And I think there was a, a Frank starts singing and it's like really crazy wild music and everybody's jiving really well together. And the other keyboardist or some other, I don't know what her role is. She gets electrocuted or shocked from her equipment and gets really angry and storms off the stage and the show's over. Mm -hmm. And there's just a, a, Eyes locking between Frank and John. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot of mystery around Frank, the guy with the giant paper mache head, um, who is the leader of the band and the lead singer. So John, meanwhile, is always tweeting and posting stuff on YouTube about his life. That's another big thing. He's very in touch with social media, and mm-hmm. he most of his tweets in the beginning are really boring, banal garbage tweets yeah. about just like right music. But they look they they feel really cringy now, but I guess if you're looking at the internet landscape yeah. of 2014, that's probably very of the time. Totally. Totally. It reminded me a lot more of like when I was interested in posting on these things. Like I wouldn't yeah. post, I mean, I haven't posted anything in a long time, but well I feel like that's what people, when they first discovered Twitter, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I just type in, like, hey, having a coffee. Yeah. Yep. Because, <laughs> like, no one knew what to do with it. Exactly. 
now we all know how to like ruin each other's lives with it so it's a lot more uh juicier yeah <laughs> this movie is probably a pretty neat slice of time for that period of uh yeah definitely it'll be cool in 30 years when people look back and watch it and yeah i think you, we could even talk later about this but it's the, it's really the like you're mixing really two even just different times of how creative people work and do things and then also uh you know show themselves to other people mm. it's like kind of right at the time when you're kind of mixing the old world and the new yeah yeah for sure because this like around this period like the internet really changed music dramatically so this is a neat transition yeah. point um to see a movie during that transition mm-hmm so John goes home. He's, despite the catastrophe of the show, they barely got into even the first song. Uh, he really enjoyed the experience, and I don't remember how it happens, but the band manager, whose name is Don, I believe, says, "Do you want to come help us record an album?" The keyboardist is out, mm-hmm. and John's like, "Yes." And he quits his job and... Well, not entirely at first. I think he just thinks he's going to be gone for a few days. Yes. Because there's that whole argument. Uh, yep. Oh, I forgot to tell work. I'm supposed to be back. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so that's what how it happened. Uh, so they get in the van and they go to this remote place in the woods. Um, this whole movie so far is set in England, though... John is the only British person. There's two French people in the band, and then Clara and Frank, who are, I assume, American based on their accents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Don, who sounds American as well, who is the band manager. So John, the main character, rides out with them, and he sees where they're recording and how remote it is, and he's like, whoa, what's going on here? How long are we going to be here? And... Don shows him to where he's staying and says, we're going to basically, we're going to be here until we're done with the album. And not a lot of information has been given to John. It's very mysterious. Everything about this is really. I, you kind of walk through the whole movie like that. Yeah. Yes. Which I kind of, that's part of the allure of it. Like, I think it's like, kind of like you are really in John's shoes. Yes. And I, I think there was, I forgot about this part, but he alludes to it when the van's about to pick him up to take him out there. He says, he tweets about like through the looking glass, like this is my mm-hmm. weird adventure I'm about to go on. Um, it's a, uh, I mean, it's your classic uh, getting swept off onto an adventure story. Yes. Um, but the adventure is just very uh, depressing. <laughs> and f- for John, he's, he's really looking for inspiration. He wants to be a musician, but he lacks that like spark and he, he mm-hmm. thinks he's finding it with this group so he like he he's kind of looking to get that out of them um so the band is out in the this cabin in the middle of nowhere and now it kind of cuts to kind of somewhat of a montage with yeah. narrating narration from john would you would you call this the middle like the whole time spent recording the album yes everything in the cabin is just kind of a muddled mess of things that happened but don't really Mm -hmm. 
It's a long portion of the movie, though. It's a very long but portion. But a lot actually happens. It does. And there's a lot to take in there, uh, which it would be great to, t- to chat through. But, like, I think if we're, like, looking at it as, like, oh, this is the portion of the movie that's really um, changing the main character. Like, it is. Like, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's, like, mentally straining. But it's also, like, oh, how do you portray that on screen? And I think they kind of do a good job of the, like, this idea of, like, locking yourself away to cabin to record the ultimate album. Yeah. I think what was missing is just, like, some concrete arcs that happen during this. It's a lot of just, like, occurrences. But maybe there are concrete arcs now that when we talk well, about it. Well, there's the manager. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, to get to that, John gets there. He's real excited. He doesn't seem too phased by the fact that no one seems to like him or want to talk to him. He's constantly in the background. <laughs> People ignore him. It seems like... He, they treat him really. They treat him very poorly, <laughs> but he just wants to be there, so he doesn't care. Uh, Clara is just generally disgusted by him and d- mm-hmm. doesn't want him around and thinks he's a fraud, I would say. And no. Yeah. Well, I think that could be really highlighted, too, like uh, the, the moment where he tells Frank, he's like, oh, yeah, I write music, too. Yeah. And Claire's like, oh, share your music with us right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like this, like, really, it's kind of just, uh, it seems like a very mean moment, although she's not really doing anything technically mean, but, like, it's just, like, pulling this out of him. Yeah. But it's also kind of, like, uh, kind of a sad moment for John, because he's, like, this is, I think, the moment that defines, really, his character through the whole movie of, like, this kind of idealism and this like delusional likeness of him Mm -hmm. of like how he looks at music and then she's just like oh play a song and he just has a complete meltdown and (laughs) interesting leading into that is just a montage where they talk about how john's talking about how it's going and it's clear that he's tweeting and, and documenting and sharing out everything that's going on frank is kind of a uh crazy person makes them record all these weird sounds in nature and they are just drilling all day long and not really recording anything they're just i don't know Mm -hmm. experimenting and frank says he doesn't want to record anything until it's perfect and pretty crazy weird music they're making yeah they go through some uh some exercises to release that creativity yes just recording random noises and uh they fight each other a lot yes. and they Chinchilla. hit each other. Yeah. And uh, so they have a very strict physical regimen where there's a safe word, chinchilla, that they shout mm-hmm. when they are in actually. But in sometimes they just disregard yes. it. And they just... um, and at one point, Don, the manager, explains to John that he met Frank at a mental institute. And Don was there because Don is uh, attracted to mannequins. He's better now. He's a very complex character that does not hardly get it. I mean, there's some things under the surface of Don, and you're just kind of looking at him, but, like, John doesn't see it. The darkness? I think, like, he doesn't... Yeah, like, I don't think 
he recognizes it. Yeah, maybe. I not. mean, even the moment where they're like on a balcony and like, well, I'm not crazy, and then like Don was like, oh yeah, well, I I am. <laughs> I was in yes. a mental institution. Yeah. And Don kind of paints a picture that maybe all of them are in a mental institute, and John starts to I, think that everybody is. I would make the argument every single one of them is a like a hyper realized uh, version of a distinct mental illness all put together. Oh, interesting. I mean, you have like manic, you have delusional, you have I guess whatever Frank is. <laughs> paper mache head. Like paper mache head, you have pure psychotic like i don't know you they they have these different tendencies and you also have to look at it as like don is it's from the lens that we paint don and maybe i'm jumping ahead of myself as like a very normal guy at the beginning and then we actually find out how normal he really is yeah he had an interesting line which was uh i mean not don john oh yeah yeah this normal guy Don had an interesting line at one point when he's talking to John that uh, Frank is this. Just to clarify, Don is the manager. John is the main character, keyboardist. Yes. That main character. Don, the manager, says to John, "Frank is the sanest person I know. I'm crazy." Yeah. Despite meeting Frank at a mental institute, John at another point says, uh, "Have you ever seen Frank without the head on?" Because throughout this movie, Frank has the head mm-hmm. on constantly. And John mm-hmm. and Don says, no, I've never seen him with the head off. So that's a constant like thing for John is what's under that head and how does the mechanics of it work? How does he shave and brush his teeth and all of those things? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're recording music. Clara continues to not really like John at all, think he's a fraud. And, and like you said, there's that scene where she asks him to play music and it's clear that he really doesn't have any songs to play and at one point he plays songs that already exist like classical music um after telling frank that he's a songwriter too Mm. and you get uh it's pretty clear that john wants to introduce some of the songs that he's written into the band so that it gets recorded in the album but he hasn't written any songs either so at one point he has a chat with don um he's He's John's in his room and he's playing the keyboard and he's like playing a song that he wrote when Don walks in and Don's like, oh yeah, that's not very good of a song, but I'm a keyboardist too. Let me show you a song that I wrote and basically everybody thinks Frank's really good and um, anything but that is is bad. So Don sits down at the keyboard and he plays this really honestly very good um sad song which if you reflect on the lyrics are basically about being in love with mannequins yeah (laughs) it was like something about like lie still or something yeah (laughs) and his song is way better than the ones that john was just playing and he's not even in the band Mm um yeah and he thinks that the song that he just played is equivalently bad as john's song even though his is like honestly a great song in its own right so it's very yeah. funny that the band manager is better than the keyboardist but yeah their music is garbage he's been like outcasted to band manager like i feel like the keyboardist position in the band is just like expendable yeah <laughs> similar to spinal tap and the drummer maybe yeah 
Um, so yeah, Don is, is really interesting in that regard. Um, I don't remember the order of events, but there's this hot tub scene and then Don kills himself. I don't remember what happened first. I think hot tub, then Don kills himself. But yeah, right. It all kind of blurs. Yeah. The, the Don killing himself by, uh, he put, well, they think Frank has killed himself because he's wearing Frank's head and then they pull him down and then Frank walks in and then they're like, they take the helmet off and which is funny, um, that, because they give him a Viking funeral. <laughs> well, they give him a Viking funeral, but you find out through the movie that Frank has more than one head. Yeah. Well, you found that earlier because he, like, John had went into the bathroom and saw the head off and thought that his head wasn't on, but then he was wearing another yeah, one. Yeah, he was. He's in the shower wearing a head with a plastic bag around it. Yeah. So. If hot tub is first, John's outside in the hot tub and Clara comes out and Clara's just always been in the background kind of just hating on John, staring at him angrily from different scenes mm-hmm. and in general doesn't it seem like she really wants to be there, but she very much respects Frank. Yeah. I will say though, before they get to the before Don kills himself and they're really in the midst of recording. They do record a really cool song. <laughs> yeah. That, like, that's a really cool jam. I, I listen to it on Spotify every time. All the songs in this movie are really great. Yeah. Except for the one John they're not there. Other than yeah, pretty that much. lady with a bag. Well, I like lady, the, lady with a bag. <laughs> lady with a bag's pretty good. Uh, so John, main character, is in the hot tub. Clara comes up and is real angry and trying to hurt, hurt John in the hot tub or yell at him or something. And John stands up and he's naked. And Clara sees that he's naked and then immediately jumps on him. And they're having like pretty violent sex in the hot tub, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and or passionate uh, passionate i mean it seems like violent it seems like she is not doesn't care that he's there in a way it's just kind of like yeah trying to drown him or push his head away um and then they're both in the hot tub smoking and and john's like constant (laughs) john says oh man this could be tough to tell the band that we're in a relationship now and she's like we're not in a relationship you disgust me (laughs) and classic clara (laughs) so i don't understand much about that and what that symbolizes or means or anything i don't know i don't know if it does i think it's just clara being clara Mm -hmm. i mean think about it they have sex and then later in the movie she stabs him yes (laughs) Yep. So like if you're looking at it as like a like aggressive act, I don't think it's any different for her character to have done that to than what she does later. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. Maybe she just follows whatever she wants Maybe to do. Maybe it depends on how you look at sex and what it's used for or how you know aggressive can it be or I don't know. Yeah. That's a whole whole uh that's a whole I don't know. Book a what's what's the phrase? Whole bag of worms. Um, 
can is that phrase can of worms whole can of worms yeah yeah which is like um i don't know worms in a can is sounds dangerous for the worm yeah well they record the album don is dead do they record but the album this whole now? time i think they do right they record some <laughs> they record at least that song yeah i i got the they don't really show i got the impression yeah. that they were still kind of a mess months in and john mm-hmm. signs them up for south by southwest yeah well because the whole time they're recording or trying to record uh he was subtly growing an audience of people interested in yeah hearing this yeah and then it it goes into south by southwest uh reaching out yep and then that's kind of the third the third act is pretty much all in austin yeah before we jump into that i want to make something really clear that i want to touch on later which is sure john really wants to be famous yeah and clara doesn't want anything to do with that she just wants Mm -hmm. to make creative great music yeah with frank frank seems to just want to like he does he 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 wants to make good music but he also really wants to be famous as well he wants to get the music to the people and when john tells him that people like his music frank's like really that's like wonderful and um Mm -hmm. he he listens to john a lot because john seems to be that connection maybe to getting a lot of a large audience yeah which i want to talk a lot about because i feel like there's something there all right, let's run through the remainder of the movie and get into it. Sure. Last part of the movie, uh, they go to South by Southwest. The two people who like kind of run it, or two mm-hmm. of the people that run it, or event coordinators, yeah, or whoever. They they are fans of the band, and because mm-hmm. from what they saw on YouTube and Twitter and all of that, and they're out to lunch at a diner with the band, the event coordinators. And John's like, I mean, we do, everybody's going to love us here, right? Like we had 23,000 <laughs> followers on YouTube and the event coordinators are like, well, we know you guys, but like nobody, 23,000, there'll probably be like one person there who knows you. 23,000 is not a lot of, of views yeah. for the YouTube. If you're like at a half a million, maybe you're going to start to get a better chance of somebody mm-hmm. showing up. And that, that really hits Frank because he thought that the amount of views they had was a lot and that they were really becoming big when yeah. really they're they're not. And then the band starts to think, wow, we are maybe set up for failure here. Um, and the, none of the band really wants to be there. Only Frank and John want to be there. At one point, um, Frank gets nervous and runs out into uh, – Allie and John and Clara are chasing after her him or something and uh when john gets up to him they get in an argument john and clara get in an argument and clara jumps up and is pulls a knife out and john says chinchilla chinchilla and uh he's got his phone out to record it and she stabs him um and runs away and there was apparently an undercover cop right there and or something and he arrests her uh and now she's arrested. The other two French people in the band don't want to be there. Don's killed himself. Oh, and they try to uh, 
on the way to South by Southwest, they are riding in the van and in the desert and they pull out a can of what you think are Don's ashes after they gave him the Viking funeral. And Frank says all this wonderful stuff and is like throwing the ashes out. But it appears that they got the wrong can. This is a can of just like, I don't know, some kind of drink mix. And they don't have Don's ashes at all. And they just basically said all this (laughs) nice stuff about a can of drink mix. Um, So that was kind of like a, maybe a symbol of things are starting to fall apart or something. Yeah. South by Southwest, the band breaks apart. The French people don't want to be in the band anymore. Everybody's mad at John and thinks that he ruined the band, but Frank really does want to be famous. So it's just Frank and John. They're going to do an unplugged session where it's just the two of them doing like low key versions of their songs. They go out on stage and Frank kind of like shuts down a little bit and he's wearing this dress with makeup on his head. Well, he, yeah, he ends up completely shutting down. Yeah. So John, t- this is, yeah. Wait, you went over the stabbing, right? Yep. Chinchilla and she stabs okay. him. So the band's broken up and everybody's, she's in prison and all that. Um, so Frank shuts down on stage. So John starts singing this dumb song he made d- during their recording session called La La La. Um, <laughs> as, and he's like real excited and like very image focused. Yeah. And then Frank just collapses. Well, because indie pop is taken over South by Southwest. Yes. He make yeah. They got to be likable. Exactly. Oh, I forgot that whole part. Uh, the light, the song. Well, yeah, <laughs> Frank's Frank song. song. So, <laughs> which is pretty. John good. <laughs> starts convincing him that the sound of the band is actually not good. So everything they've done is effectively thrown out, and that they need to make a likable right. song very quickly. Um, and J- Frank writes what he thinks is his most likable song, and it's very bad and just confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh. And he's starting to fall apart at the seams. You can tell Frank is. And they go on stage. So they play John's really basic crap song, La La. And Frank collapses. Because the music's yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, Frank collapses and says the music is shit. And I like how it like has a physical effect on him. Like The music is so bad, he's like breaking down physically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that... <laughs> is the end of South by Southwest. The fan, the band is fully broken up. Frank and John end up getting a motel room together. Frank's head is cracked open. And he puts duct tape on it. He's looking real bad. And at mm-hmm. one point, John tries to take the head off of Frank. And Frank freaks out and runs away. He gets hit by a car. And when he falls down, his head breaks open. And as soon mm-hmm. as John gets around the car to see Frank, he's gone. And the driver says, I don't know where he went. He just ran off. So he ran off without his head. And then John gets hit by a car, too, because he's, like, wandering yeah. out into the road. So John's in the hospital. Um, he's broken up and destroyed the band. Everybody's off in different directions. Um, the French people and Clara have started, like, a band, and they play, a, a like, a club. And Clara's the lead singer in this group. And Frank, or John, reaches out on Twitter and says, does anyone know where Frank is? Anyone at all? Please let me know. He follows some leads. Some There's a bunch of people that are think it's a hoax. And it just shows you all the trolls online mm. that are saying, like, I know where he is. 
But eventually somebody yeah. sends him a direct message, which is just a street address or a Google Maps location in Bluff, Bluff Kansas, which is where Frank is from. Um, mm-hmm. Also, there's an undercurrent throughout this whole thing that John wants to have trauma. He feels like that re- the reason these people are all talented is because they're crazy. And he, because John is crazy and Clara's crazy and Frank's crazy, he thinks that he needs to have trauma himself to untap or tap his creative juices and, and whatever. So he goes to Bluff, Kansas, thinking he's going to see maybe like what led to Frank being Frank. And he ends up at Frank's parents house and he meets frank and he meets the parents and finds out that frank had a very similar upbringing to him he had just a normal parents but frank was always weird and he wanted to make a paper mache head from like when he was like 12 and his dad pandered to it and said later he found out he wasn't supposed to do that that's not a good idea (laughs) (laughs) which is interesting uh and they say oh frank was just always musical the head is just a different, a separate thing. It's not why he's musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so John sees Frank without the head on. It's Michael Fassbender. It's always been Michael Fassbender. And his, he's got weirdly shaved hair because it was probably... The mask. Yeah. It, look, it, it looks, his head looks like he had just taken off the mask. Yeah. Like the, or the head. And he has like scars or open wounds on his forehead. I like when they first... It, they first introduce him because he thinks like the gardener is yeah. Frank, like this normal guy. And like, he's like, I'm not Frank. And then he turns around and of course it's the guy mysteriously in sunglasses, like looking off to the side. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And Frank, when he doesn't have his head on, you never see him face on. He's always looking down or to the side. Yeah, he doesn't want to look at yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> he's never looking into the camera. You never really get to see him. He's still mysterious even when you see him. Um, he's always shot from the side or from behind. And he's at the, his parents' house, and he's playing piano, but he he's, says he can't make good music anymore, and he's just really sad. And John feels bad, and he finds Clara and the rest of the band at this um, spot and he brings Frank there. Um, mm-hmm. and the movie ends. Am I missing anything before we end the movie? Not really. They have a brief discussion, I think. And then, um, yeah, basically they track down the rest of the band again, who are just kind of off playing this gig of like sad country songs or something. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then he reunites, he walks closer. They, they, let him and start singing and he starts singing. Then the, like the band kind of reforms mm-hmm. and they sing. And the then I love you all song that yes. they invent on the spot. But, and then John walks away into the distance. Well, they cut to the empty seat. He's gone. Yeah. And then he's walking away. Oh, they do show that. Okay. And I, anyway. cause I had to rewind the movie and rewatch it. And I was like, is that John who was walking away at the end? Yeah, they, he, he had to return Frank to the wild. Yeah, and not be part of the band anymore. Yeah. And in some... Um, I think... The best song that they ever did is that song in, at the end, in my opinion. And I disagree. I think the jam session while recording the album is the best. Yeah. Either that or Lady with the Bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think this movie's got a lot going on, and I think it's really um, funny. Um, and I also really love the extremes this movie goes to, um, without, uh, you know, obviously playing out the extremes. So like the Viking funeral of the manager or the stabbing or the getting hit by the car, like it's almost cartoonish, the things that kind of happen, but like, it's really portrayed very subtly. (laughs) Yeah. Like if that happened in real life, it'd be a lot more serious, but yeah, like, (laughs) She gets like arrested, but it's like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not part of the story. I, I like that they can just focus on the story. I'm pretty sure. It... And like, yeah, if they would have found the band manager, like the like, is anyone gonna look for him? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be uh, pretty illegal to just cremate someone on your own like that. Yeah, throw him on a raft and then light him on fire and send him on the river. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, so, I mean, I guess background for this movie, it was based off of a newspaper article and then I believe a book by John Ronson. I don't know if you know John Ronson. He's this writer. He's always kind of writing the kind like very peculiar stories. He likes oddities. He wrote, um, the book, uh, the men who stare at goats. Oh, I saw the movie for that. I don't know if he's, Yeah. Which is about like a like what CIA army project about using mind telekinesis yeah, yeah. to like in combat. So, uh, but it was based off a true story in the eighties, Frank, um, of a keyboardist in a band that did this. I don't oh, know weird. the extent of the, the events that happened. Obviously, with the extremes extremities, I like there's probably a lot added uh for dramatic effect so there was like uh, a real frank with a paper mache head from my understanding of this wikipedia uh page of john ronson weird which is all the research I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good character study of john rather than frank to me this movie um mm. i don't know if we really dove into kind of character discussions on this movie more of kind of themes and alluding to that or bigger picture things but uh john is someone who is completely idolizes the image of a successful artist or musician and is more satisfied with having the appearances of that than the actual process which the rest of the band has Mm. Like, I feel like it's a movie about someone that just doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, somebody doesn't like he really just, fit. He doesn't, he doesn't get why, like, the band is cool doing just being themselves. Because he won't, he can't be himself. He can only be the ideas of what he others perceive to be uh, a musician. That's why he's, he's like, they show, mm. like, the cassettes at the beginning. He He's listening to these top pop hits, and he, like indie pop and not to say that the music i like that music too but um i feel like it's more of a some of his likings and his idea of being creative are more superficial in a sense sort of in the way patterson's uh partner was in patterson uh like it's Mm. when he's actually asked to play music he can't. Mm-hmm. And then 
because he is similar in a way of Frank who can't show himself. But Frank can't show himself physically, but he can show himself creatively. I thought that was a funny line in the movie where Frank was like in his mask and he's saying, uh, yeah, you don't want to cover yourself up or something like that. It was very ironic. Yeah. Um, so he was, John was never on a quest to be a creative musician. He was on the quest to be a likable musician. It's kind of what we see on social media to begin with is these images of success and what that is. And like, what does it actually mean to actually create something that is genuinely you? Yeah. And I think John's arc is to see that and then realize that he has to reunite Frank with the band so they can actually do that. So what happens to John at the end? Does he finally get it? I think he can get it to be himself. Like, he can still go home and make pop songs, but, like, I think he can't, you know, do it in the aspect of what his opportunity was. Do you think that... John was very important to this to the band. Like at the end of this movie, I get the feeling that this re No. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he was a virus that went in and infected the band and then eventually their own immune system to him kind of got it out. Kicked in and That's a very good way of looking at it. Possibly. I mean he was the one who reunites them at the end though. Uh but I feel like they're a better band at the end when Frank has the mask off. I mean, there's not as much shown. It could be, but yeah, you're right. Like it maybe, it maybe it opened up a whole new wave of like what they can now be after this kind of purging of the negative aspects of themselves. If we look at the band as one entity, you know. What I know, Clara, Clara plays the theremin, but it seems mm-hmm. interesting to have a band where you have a theremin player and a keyboardist yeah i don't know if they're doing kind of psych psychedelic rock i could see it i wouldn't even know how to explain the genre of the band i feel like they're just very art rock you know but maybe the band never needed a keyboardist because it ends with john leaving and they make a great song without keyboards maybe they'll just go on without a keyboardist who knows what's in store for the band hmm that we never wait. What was the name of the band? It was a bunch of consonants <laughs> and like with a vowel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it's also the idea of like what is considered normal. The suburbs that are shown from John at the beginning, and when he goes to meet Frank at the end, and he's walking through the same neighborhood and is seeing the same things, yeah. and like you know, there's the kid that cuts him off in the exact same fashion at the beginning of the movie. He says, "Watch out." Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Do you think that um, meant anything? Or is that just a throwaway? I don't know. But I, I feel like it was a, kind of a perfect uh, loop around of when he first saw Frank and first see, like watched this band, his impressions of him is, this is weird, this is abnormal, this is not of what I am or what I am doing. And then John thinks of himself as, I'm going to be good for the band. Yes. So he proceeds to the whole movie to try to conquer the band because he feels like he can really... That they're missing something. Move the band. Yeah. He's going to He can move something. the band 
in the right direction, he can fix him. Um, and then by the end, they were never any different than he was. He just realized he was, he just wasn't them. Yeah. I feel like it's just a really good, uh, I feel like John's a, a very interesting character to watch because of how he's really presented, but then how he really acts is really kind of insane. Like he's kind of delusional and idealistic and like he's doing harm to these people (laughs) yeah as much as like they show the opposite happening i feel like he is kind of doing the most harm i feel like there's this just very clear messaging about creativity in this and i don't feel like i've unpacked Mm -hmm. it very well i think it's about i think it's about um you know the normies and how they're uh they just don't get it have you ever heard of um the fountainhead no wait yeah what is that isn't that a book yeah by ayn rand Rand. um i read it a while back and it keeps coming up in my mind when i see this movie Mm -hmm. um especially this analysis i read of it where the the care the characters in that book very heavy-handedly meant something um and the main character was someone who was creative and understood that they were creative and mm-hmm. then there was like a character who was creative but didn't know they were creative a character who was not creative but thought they were and then a character who was both not creative and knew that they weren't and uh i think of frank as being maybe somebody who's creative but doesn't think he is yeah and john is someone who's not creative but thinks he is Clara is somebody who is creative and thinks she is. And oh, um, Don is also somebody who is creative, but doesn't think he is. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good lens to look at it, but. Oh, definitely. I think it's a great way to look at it. There's not anybody who's not creative. I mean, maybe the other people in the background and stuff. The other, the other two members of the band aren't really brought up. Yeah. They're just, (laughs) they have like one scene. Where in French he describes them as he or describes or says to John he really doesn't like. Yeah, they just don't like John. That's their whole and they're French. That's their <laughs> yeah. Who they are. I feel like it's a sad story. It has a very happy ending. I mean, you're it's the the ultimate road to rock and roll stardom, but it's like what it's really supposed to be, or like what really would happen. Do you think that there's such a thing as you just don't have it? Yeah. But I also believe there are millions of that do, but that just won't like, you know, they're not going to be selling out Madison Square Garden. What does it mean to have it? And can it be learned? I don't know. I feel like in certain aspects, like if you're trying to do something, you just have to get it. And maybe some people have different ideas of what that it is, but. If you have that, then you're not communicating it. I kind of cringe sometimes at people trying to do things because I know what they are thinking, but the way that it's being communicated to me feels very off. It doesn't feel genuine. Mm. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a actual artistic expression. It doesn't feel like it's uh, like, oh wow, you've done the thing well because you cared and genuinely know. And that's, it's not to say they're untalented. It's not to say they haven't put in the work. 
It's just that they just didn't get it. Yeah. Because John... And not to say that I'm like an expert in any of this. It's just to say that even anyone can have this opinion because you're always going to be on the receiving end of whatever the artistic communication is. Because John is a... From what I understand, a talented musician. He talented in in, mm-hmm. in the, the the skill of it. Yeah. Not in the maybe the creative piece, which is really interesting because like when you just said that, it reminded me of um, the court case about like how do you know if something's pornography or whatever, and it's right. just like you know it when you see it. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's true of like art. Like I couldn't tell you why John's songs are bad compared to the songs Frank does. Right. It's just like you know it, mm-hmm. and and that's where I th- I I feel like there's that analog between getting it and not getting it. And it's got me thinking about in my own life. There's things I feel like I do get, mm-hmm. and things I I don't think I'll ever get. Mm-hmm. So I play Counter-Strike once a week with my friends, and I am terrible yeah. at Counter-Strike. I've been playing it for like five years. I'm still at the bottom of the ranks. You'll never just, get it. it. How to do and it well does not click it. for me. I will never get it. And people can tell me drills and stuff, and I'd probably do the drills, but I'm never going to be like intrinsically able mm-hmm. to like think like you need to to play that game well. Whereas my two friends... It's like in their DNA, they're like natural born hunters and they know right. how to think like where the prey is mm-hmm. and where to, how to approach things. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a creative thing. It could just be a understanding of something or just, uh, or it could even be a personal thing, like some, how people treat other people in personal relationships. I think there's just any aspect you can kind of be like, I just will never get how to do that. Like for me, I go to the coffee shop every morning and I go there enough. They know my name and I just, I am the coldest person. You'll never know how to just casually, uh, just talk back, say a funny thing. Yeah. Like I'm not going to come up and like pat somebody on the back and be like, how's it been going? Cause I'll, we'll run through my head. They let anybody in here, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't do that. Because what goes through my head is like, how long am I opening a door to a conversation that they don't want to have that I don't maybe want to have? And it's overthink just like, it too. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear that. But a lot of people, are, they can do that. They can make you feel warm, and they know how to do it the right amount and how to set that pacing for like um, the day crescendo of the conversation, so that it clues everybody into, hey, now let's we're done talking. Mm-hmm. Maybe that could be practiced. But, but I think like, a lot of you know just how to it. talk. You know words. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the same way. John, John, John knows how to play piano. He know he has a history. He's got an understanding. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't and get he'll it. He'll just never get it. But I, it's maybe a tough the, pill to swallow. So is the story arc possibly that John at the beginning? doesn't know that he doesn't get it and then at the end of the movie it finally clicks for him i just don't get it i'm never gonna get it and he walks off into the distance it could be and maybe sees the damage that he had done i mean even looking at it like he still accomplished his dream it just it wasn't like exactly what he wanted but like he got to get discovered and go play in front of a the biggest audience of his life. That's a really great point. 
it just didn't work out like everything he idolized and had built up in his mind. He used them to check all the boxes he had for the rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. And he got what he wanted. You're right. And then he left the band maybe stronger than they were before Mm -hmm. because of the, the hardships they went through. But he put them back into where they were. Yeah. After he got what he want and used them as a parasite. Maybe that's a metaphor for a lot of these uncreative people that go and work with bands, like the business side of things that... Yeah, that's true. Maybe John's the metaphor for that need to get an audience and the business and all the ugly parts of music Mm -hmm. um, when really music is music. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. All right, now I feel really great and bubbly and everything after chatting. That was a good good talk. All right, well, do I get a point? (laughs) You get a point. (laughs) Well, reiterate what you... uh, To be honest, I think you gave me more on this movie than I gave. (laughs) Well, what were the things that you were bringing up? I I was just talking... I I just thought the biggest thing about this movie was John just doesn't get it. Well, that that was... That's a point. That's... I'll take your points. You spurred that discussion, um, Um, and that's maybe the biggest thing in this. Patterson gets it. John doesn't get it. Patterson gets it. Which is funny, because in the Star Wars movie, uh, Kylo Ren gets it. Mm -hmm. But the character that Dom Hell Gleason plays doesn't get it. I think it's because he can play this kind of superficial veneer kind of character really well. Wow. He does that in every movie. He does that in Ex Machina, too. Yeah, he's not like... He doesn't get it. He's he's sociably personal. Like, he's like, you know, hey, if you need a if you need someone to, like, uh, as an example of a nice guy, hey, Don Hall Gleason, get in here. <laughs> That's a really hard to portray well, and yeah. he does it masterfully. Yeah. Yes, it's some people get it, some people don't. All right, next week's movie. Yeah. All right. Um, I this is a game time decision. I I I have I have two options, but I'm like, oh, do I want to like ruin his evening or do I want to like give him a laugh? And I can't decide on whether or not I want to ruin your evening or give you a laugh. So I'm gonna let you choose. I think i need a laugh this um laugh it is yeah all right well it's um you know it's pride month there's uh there's some good queer cinema interesting i i think queer cinema doesn't really get talked as much about on like movie video essays and that like uh you know podcasts um and also i just think this is a really funny movie uh Let's just I, that's a clue. It stars an actress who was in American Pie mm-hmm. and Oranges the New Black. It's the she's got curly hair, right? She might have curly hair in regular life. Not in this photo I'm looking at. I forget her name, the actress, if it's who I'm thinking of. I can give you the name. Okay. I don't think it'll spoil the name of the movie. Or maybe it will. Um Natasha Leone? Yes, that's that's exactly who I'm thinking of. So it is funny, and it's got her in it, and it's from queer cinema. That's a genre? Yeah. I mean, queer cinema isn't just queer movies either. Like, I, you can argue, like, 
eighties uh, and nineties action movies can be kind of looked at through uh, queer lens. Um, they're often broke down that way. Sure, uh, I, I guess every movie it's not all one thing. There's yeah. lots of overlapping genres and such. Um, it, this has to do with uh, let's just say this is about a cheerleader. Wow. Um, in fact, that's in the title. <laughs> Cheerleaders. No. The cheerleader. No. Nope. Let me just give you a title. Uh, sure. <laughs> or do you want to guess it? Uh, uh, cheer, cheerleader, I hardly know her. <laughs> yeah, we're watching Cheerleader, I hardly know her. <laughs> um, no. It's... Uh, I'll just tell you because okay, be I'm never gonna get it. Um, it's called "But I'm a Cheerleader." Never heard of this. Really? Okay. It's kind of a cult classic. It was when made is it from? 1999. Whoa! So uh, interesting time for independent film. This is like high school cheerleader or like professional sport team cheerleader. It has less to do with cheerleading than what the title implies. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I want to give you any information, really. All right. Uh, but I I think it's just a kind of a interesting movie. I think there's a lot to talk about. It also co-stars Michelle Williams from that time. Yeah, I know her. Um, you might recognize some actors, you know, from late '90s movies. Uh, I haven't seen every movie that Michelle Williams does, but I feel like she's really good at picking. Yeah, yeah. And getting in on really interesting movies. Uh, second female director, Jamie Babbitt, directed. And uh, I, for the longest time, kind of knew about it. And then I was kind of growing in like cult fame levels over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then I think I finally watched it for the first time last year. And I thought it was uh, interesting. Cool. So All, everything you've. Sh- made me watch so far has been really eye-opening and enriching i'm looking forward to it well maybe this uh will be the week that it ends yeah <laughs> and i'll be like there was no that that was just a jackass movie do you want to know what the the movie that i wanted to ruin your day with is it are you going to use it later yeah, you're right maybe i will use it later well now because by then pride month will be over and, you know, they only have one month where I can talk about... Uh, we're doing this podcast for the next 50 years, so you got 50 more chances for this. All right. I'll save it. Plus, I mean, if Pride Month's a whole month, we do this twice but a month. if I give you two comedies in a row, Frank and But I'm a Cheerleader, <laughs> oh, boy. I, the, the movie I'm picking after that, it's really going to be depressing. It's not Moonlight, is it? No. Moonlight had a happy ending, though. Yeah, I, kind liked, of. I, I thought Moonlight had a happy ending. But I've seen that, so if that's on your list, uh, I've already saw well, it. Well, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> well, maybe. We could know next year. There's there's games that I want you to play that I'm waiting for certain seasons for. All right. We just got to make sure the band stays together long enough to do it. Well, nothing's stopping us now. It doesn't matter if no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing we're really successful when no one's listening but as soon as we get big enough to go to south by southwest we'll fall apart 
probably we gotta be more likable man (laughs) (laughs) it's true that's what we're trying to do so uh we're gonna be only talking about marvel movies (laughs) yeah all right until next time see you later